what an appropriate uh, prayer for today, amen? Uh, Father, touch us again, not for temporary deeds. I hope we never go back to normal, quote unquote normal. Uh, we don't want to go back to normal because normal's jacked up uh, in the 21st century. We don't want to be a normal church, we want to be different. Uh, as he was singing that, I was thinking, you know, we're approaching Pentecost. Uh, just, uh, I guess it'll be next week, the 29th of this month, is Pentecost. Uh, that first Pentecost 2,000 years ago that the Holy Spirit of God came in and dwelt man. Uh, may he do that kind of work within us. I know he indwells us. He lives within us. Uh, the goal is that we would allow him to live through us uh, and, and minister in this world to restore power and authority, not ours but his, uh, and living in that power and that authority. I, I hope that we will take that challenge on. Today... Uh, we're going to start a new series of messages uh, and uh, talk about relationships. You know, in the 21st century, uh, we don't really do very well with relationships, do we? Uh, we struggle with how to relate to one another. When, when uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, his son in the faith, and he's talking about the last days, uh, the times in which you and I live, uh, he said that they would be perilous times, and the first thing, he lists a, a litany of things that would cause these times to be perilous, to be dangerous, but uh, the first in the list is that men would be lovers of their own selves, uh, and certainly that's true uh, in the 21st century. Uh, we are lovers of our own selves. If you look at uh, God's layout of history and church history and the book of Revelation as he writes those letters to seven churches in Asia Minor. There were certainly seven literal churches in Asia Minor that he's writing letters to, but, but I, I think it's a, a beautiful depiction and, and God communicating uh, about church history and, and what would take place throughout time. And, and we're in the last of those seven church periods, which is the Laodicean period. And if you take those, the words, the names of those churches, this is the sovereignty of God. Uh, those names of those churches are, are one-word capsulizations of God's uh, attitude, opinion, uh, his, his insight into what was happening in each of those periods of time. And Laodicea, the, the word, literal translation is the rights of the people. And certainly we see that today, right? Uh, we live uh, looking for our rights and uh, aware of our rights and, and, and those kinds of things. And so uh, it, we have a tendency to, quote unquote, look out for number one. Uh, we have a tendency to elevate ourselves uh, to a position of greatness and, and kind of live life as if everyone else is here to serve me. It's all about me. Oh, that's our tendency, and I didn't say your tendency, I said our tendency. Uh, that's how we kind of view life, and, and when you view life from that perspective, well, it's obvious then that you're going to struggle with relationships. Yeah, the, the way to build relationships is not to put yourself first. <laughs> if you put yourself first, you're going to struggle in having relationships with other people. And that's true not only in those outlying relationships, but that's true in the closest of relationships, the relationships within the family. And, and again, I think we would all have to admit that, that family relationships in our day and time are not, they're just not doing really well. Uh, there's a lot of problems within the family. There's, there's struggles within marriage. Uh, the, the, the number one reason that I, I have people who sit across a counseling table from me and uh, they, they want to deal with their, their relationship with their spouse, the, the people who come in and say, I'm, I'm just done, uh, life's too long to live like this, or, or maybe life's too short to live like this, what most of them say is, I just don't love him anymore, I, I just don't love her anymore. And they offer that as if that's valid reasoning to terminate a relationship. 
They offer that as if that's something I can't control. And, and I'm not trying to, to make anyone feel bad. I, I just want us to understand that that's, that's a lie of the enemy. And, and I would say, and, and again, I'm not trying to be hard on you, but that, that's manifestation of what God said about the time in which we live. It is our bent. And when someone says that, what we're really saying is, I, I never really loved you. I love me. And I wanted to use you to make me feel better about me. And that's not working out for me anymore. I, I know that sounds a little harsh, but sometimes we need harsh things said. So that we can change the way that we think. I, I, I believe, particularly in our culture, not just in our time, but also in our culture, we struggle with relationships because we are consumed with consumerism. We, we all want just one more thing, right? Just one more toy, just a house that's a little bit bigger, just a car that's a little bit newer. And we're willing to sacrifice relationships to get that. I, I'm too busy earning a living to have a life. Because <laughs> life isn't found in stuff, right? We know that, right? Amen. Remember, Jesus told us that. He said, beware and take heed of covetousness. Because a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. There's no life in stuff. And we know that, we hear it, and, and many of us have lived long enough to realize it. We've proven it to be true in our lives, but yet we're still prone to make that same mistake. We, we live in a time of unprecedented family violence. The police officers in the room are agreeing. <laughs> Because they're the guys who get called to the scene. Spousal abuse. And it goes both ways. The abuse of children. Just the things. Uh, there, there are things done to children that horrify. But yet it, but it happens. And it's, uh, again, it's a, it's a breakdown of relationships. And so when you, when, you consider, when you consider all of those things and you, and you understand what's going on within our times and, and then you think about what God said about family relationships, if you, if you look at the Bible and where God definitiv definitively addresses family relationships, you can point to two places where he definitively talks about it and it would seem that his instructions are fairly simple. Colossians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 5, that's the two texts where you would say there's definitive information given about family relationships, and you can break it down. It's really very simple. God says, husbands love, wives submit, children obey, parents don't provoke. And when you think about that, and you see the simplicity of that, and you say, well, husbands love, wives submit, children obey, parents don't provoke, you, you know, you could begin to think, man, I wonder if God really knew what was going to be going on in the 21st century. Now, you can wonder that until you think about it, and then when you think about it, you go, oh yeah, he's God. He did know what was happening in the 21st century. So then maybe you take your wandering a little farther and you say, then why, why is it that God didn't give us some instructions that would resolve these issues? I need to know how to have a meaningful relationship with my wife. I need to know how to have a meaningful relationship with my children. Not only when they're children, but when they grow and become adults. I need to know how to have that relationship with them. I need to know how to be a parent. I need to know how to be a child. And not only a child that's in, in, in childhood years, but as an adult, I need to know how to interact with my, my parents. One of the greatest issues I think of our time in our society is how that, that we minister to our ailing parents. 
Incredible need. But yet God says, husbands love, wives submit, children obey, parents don't provoke. It leaves you wanting just a little. Now, obviously, the tension there is not with God. The issue is not with God. The issue is with us. And so we have to figure that out. And I think the solution is fairly simple. If you read Colossians chapter 3, God begins his instruction to the family in verse 18. You could turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be there this morning. He begins his instruction to, to families in verse number 18. Now, this is really deep. So as you're turning, you, you need to listen very intently. What I know from that is this. There are 17 verses that precede that instruction. Now, that's profound, right? Worth the price of admission today. While it may not, the, the fact that there's 17 verses that precede verse 18 may not be profound, the truth that is taught there is profound. It's the same in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 5, the instructions begin in verse 22. And so there's 21 verses that precede that. And what you find in those verses, and we're going to look at it today, is that God addresses not the relationship with our family, but he addresses our relationship with him. And what we understand from that is this. All of the relationships that go this way, all of our horizontal relationships, are dependent upon our vertical relationship. The foundation for these relationships is a meaningful relationship with God. What I find with most marriage counseling is this. The real problem isn't that, that the spouses don't have a meaningful relationship with each other. The real problem is they don't have a meaningful relationship with God. Now, the issue that comes so often in parenting and, and, and raising our children to love and to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to live out the, the values of the scriptures isn't in that we don't have a meaningful relationship with our kids, it's that we don't have a meaningful relationship with God. In fact, I would say that all of those issues that we mentioned a moment ago about the selfishness and the, the love of self and, and, and the materialism and the, the, the consumerism that we deal with and the, 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 the acting out and the, the violence that goes on, all of that is dealt with not through a relationship with our spouse or with our children, it's all dealt with through a relationship with our God. Amen. And what we need today is a meaningful relationship with God. And if I have a meaningful relationship with God, then it's enough to say, husbands, love your wives, wives, submit unto your own husbands, children, obey your parents, and parents, don't provoke your children. Those instructions are very necessary, and they're very needed, and they're, they're very impactful, and we're going to spend some time over the next few weeks breaking those down, and, and what does it mean for a husband to love his wife as Christ loves the church, and, and what does God mean? There's a lot of, there's a lot of bad attitudes and, and bad feelings and emotions, and, and frankly, within the church of Jesus Christ, a lot of bad teaching about what it means for a wife to submit to her husband, and we need to make sure we get that right. We'll talk about it. We're going to talk about what it means for a child to obey and honor their mother and their father. Powerful. The, the first command with promise. God puts a high premium on that. And we're going to talk about how that we parent without provoking our children to, to anger or discouragement because there are long-reaching implications to that. And, and, a, and a lot of, listen... Maybe even right here in this room, let's just, just take the maybe out. Right here in this room, there are those who, who, who probably struggle because you were provoked by a parent. And it needs to be dealt with. Again, very powerful teaching. But today, we've got we to start with the foundation, and we're, we're going to go fast, because we're going to cover all 17 of those verses, <laughs> or at least we're going to try. 
And, and today, what we're going to talk about is, is building a foundation upon which to have these other relationships. You could go out this afternoon and, and begin and build a, a beautiful house. Now, you, could, you could have the, the most expensive finishing touches. I mean, you could build it with the, the, the greatest material. But if you didn't build it on a foundation, it wouldn't last long, would it? Again, the teachings of Jesus Christ are helpful here, Matthew chapter 7. If you didn't build it on a rock, when the storms come, she's going down. You've got to build it on a foundation. Why would we ever think, if you can't build a house without a solid foundation, you can't build a house that's going to stand without a solid foundation, why would we ever think we could build a home that's going to stand without a solid foundation? And that foundation is a meaningful relationship with God. So let's talk about how to have that relationship today. And then next week we'll move on into uh, the, the, the family relationships. But I, I was going to go straight there, but, but I just can't get beyond the fact that we've got to deal with these foundational issues before we try to talk about those other issues. So uh, let's, let's start at the beginning. Verse number one, uh, Paul writing to the church at Colossae just gets a few words in and says, If you then be risen with Christ... Uh, when Paul says that, he's referring back to this letter, and, and this is a letter that was written to a local New Testament church, the church at Colossae, but it's interesting that this church in Colossae, this letter that was written to this church in Colossae, was, was told to them that they, this should also be read in the city of Laodicea. In fact, the only other place that you find Laodicea mentioned in the Bible is in the book of Colossians when they're told to read this letter. What, what the Bible is telling us, what God is saying is, this is specifically addressed to you and I who sit here right at the end of time expecting, hastening unto, looking forward to the rapture of the church. As we prepare ourselves for that, here's some things we should understand. This is the practical application. The first two chapters, Paul's laid out the doctrine as his manner is, and now in chapter 3 he begins to pick up and now let's practically apply that. He's told us about what it means to be risen. He's talked about this circumcision, this spiritual circumcision, this operation that is made without hands. He's talking about when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, Coming to the place that I realize I'm a sinner and my sin has separated me from God, that my flesh is not my friend, it's my enemy, and, and it's destructive to me, and so I've gone before God, I've thrown myself on the mercy of the court, I, I've, I've been buried with him in baptism, I've been risen with him in newness of life. And I'm not talking about water baptism, I'm talking about spiritual baptism. When I was immersed into the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's an operation that was done without hands. It's by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. And so Paul's saying, if you've been risen with Christ, if is a very small word, but it's a very important word. And I would challenge us all this morning to, to ask ourselves that question. Have you been risen with Christ? Not, not are you a good person. Not are you a moral person. Not have you been baptized in these baptismal waters. Not do you come to church. Not are you a church member. Have you been risen with Christ? Do you have the life of God living within you? Romans tells us that, that, that if you're a, a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, if you're truly born again, that you have the witness within yourself. <laughs> and that witness is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And, and so that indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God, He manifests Himself by teaching us this book. He, he will guide us into all truth. He will reveal the truth of the scriptures into our lives. He will speak to us. Amen. He will guide us and lead us. He will convict us when we sin. You just can't go through life as a believer in Jesus Christ and live any old way Amen. without the Holy Spirit of God convicting you. Amen. And if I don't listen to His conviction... What the Bible tells me is that he takes it a step further. If, if the rebuke doesn't work, then the scourging comes and, and God will correct me. And he might correct me differently than he corrects you. But he knows how to get my attention. He's a good father. He knows me. 
He knows what acts of discipline work in my life. And he knows what works in yours as well. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've been risen with Christ, the evidence is there. If you've had that operation, there's a scar that remains. (laughs) There's something that's evident in your life. And I would encourage you today, as Paul encouraged the church at Corinth, to examine yourself. To prove your own self. I've been in the ministry for over 25 years. And I grow increasingly concerned that many people sit under the preaching of the, the Word of God week in and week out who don't have a real faith in Jesus Christ. Don't let that be you. If you then be risen with Christ, it's, it's not a guarantee. No one's born into this. God has no grandchildren. It doesn't matter who your parents are. I, I, I witness to people all the time, and, and, and it seems like inevitably everybody's grandpa was a preacher. Well, my grandpa, he was a preacher. Great. Nobody gets in on the family plan. It's a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. It's an act of your will to surrender and submit yourself to him. It's not an intellectual identification with some facts. It's a surrendering of your will to who God is. If you then be risen with Christ, I've got to move on. You've got to know him. If you're going to have a meaningful relationship with him, you've got to know him. And the only way to know him is through his son, Jesus Christ. To be risen with Christ. To have the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ applied to you. To have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. You cannot fellowship with God without the Spirit of God living in you. That's why it's such an incredible thing that he did for us. That's why John says in 1 John, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And what he's saying is, man, what kind of love did it take for me to have this awesome relationship that I'm God's son and his image lives within me. His spirit lives within me. So now I can commune with him. That was, that's what was lost in the Garden of Eden. That was the death that Adam and Eve experienced when they sinned. They were, they were separated from God. They lost that fellowship. They no longer could walk with God in the cool of the day. They no longer knew him and could relate to him and, and have this relationship with him. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and to save not them that were lost, that which was lost. And that which was lost was the image of God that dwells within us. I'm going to tell you, I don't care what you've been given in life. I don't care what your inheritance is or the wealth that you might have. There's nothing greater that you could ever get than God Almighty living within you. What an incredible privilege. The reason that that you can sustain an event like we've just been through is because God lives in you. And can I frankly say the reason some people will not survive it is because God doesn't live within them. They had church membership. They might have had baptism. But they didn't have Jesus. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm just trying to warn us. There's a difference between being religious and having a relationship. And hear me today, I'm not trying to make you doubt anything, but I'm going to tell you today, if I can make you doubt something, you better doubt it. You walk away from here today, hopefully one of two ways, either knowing assuredly you don't have faith, you've not been risen with Christ, and if you were to die today, you would spend eternity in a Christless hell, or you walk away today with a calm assurance of knowing, I've been risen with Christ. He lives within me. My salvation is secure in him, and I can move forward. And I've got to move forward. I didn't mean to spend that much time there, but God seemed to say we needed to. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. He says, if you know him, then 
then build a relationship with him. And building a relationship with him is a matter of choice. It, it will not happen by os osmosis. You, you can sleep with a Bible under your pillow the rest of your life. You're not going to get to know God like that. I'm going to say that you, can, you ought to come to church, and, and we've certainly emphasized that and the importance of the gathering together of the body and, and how critical it is as a, a piece of the process, but it's not the whole of the process. You have to choose to seek those things that are above, to set your affection, not your mind, but your affection, your heart on those things that are above, not on the things of the earth. Don't live for here and now. Live for there and then. Realize that there is an eternity ahead of us. You don't only live once. It's not about getting all you can get in this world. Jesus said you could gain the whole world. You could do everything you ever wanted to do and have everything you wanted to have and be everything you wanted to be and still lose because you lived for this world, not that world. Set your affection. Seek those things that are above. I, I, not the things that are on the earth. I, I, think, I don't think I need to enumerate the things that are on the earth. Uh, we could go back to Jesus' words, though. It's doing what you want to do. The lust of the flesh. Having what you want to have. The lust of the eyes. Being who you want to be. Pride of life. And strangely enough, listen, we're, we're at graduation season on a very strange year, I understand. God bless you high school seniors, college graduates. The good news is the diploma's still good. I, I, I don't mean to make light. But a lot of times around this time of the year, our encouragement to these who are moving on to the next level of life, the next phase. We say, you can, don't we? You can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. Let me encourage you, you can have anything you want to have. And I, I'm going to say it, that's bad advice. That's bad advice. How about being who God intends for you to be? How about doing what he intended for your life? How about being content with what, having what he intended for you to have? I'm not, I'm not advocating that we be slothful and lazy. And I'm not advocating any of that. In fact, I think I'm calling us to a higher calling. But, but not living within ourselves, not living within our selfishness, not living in, in it's all about me and it's all about what I want to do and what I want to be and what I want to have. It's not really all about me. It's about him. Set your affection on those things that are above. What are the things that are above? The Bible tells us in the 119th Psalm that the word of God is settled in heaven. If we're going to seek those things that are above, let's seek the word of God. It's settled in heaven. It's a thing that is above. Let's set our affection on it. Let's seek it such that we get to know God. That we know him in salvation, wonderful. Let's get to know him in a meaningful relationship. Let's know how he thinks. Let's know how he operates. The, the children of Israel were rebuked. They, the, the psalmist tells us that Moses knew the, the ways of God, but the children of Israel, they only knew his acts. They only saw what God did, but Moses knew God. I tell you often, if you're reading with us in the 52 weeks of pursuit, as we read through the Bible this year, I, I try to take the occasion time and time again to say to you, remember, we're pursuing God. We're not just pursuing the, the words of God, we're pursuing the God of the Word. We're not reading the Bible just to check it off our box and, and say, well, we, we got that out of the way today, now let's move on. No, we're, we're reading the book to get to know the author. And it's the most amazing book. Seek the Word of God. Seek the person of God. 1 John 5, 7 tells us there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the, the, Father, the, Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. 
greatest verse in all the Bible on the Trinity. In passing, let me say, some of you will find that that verse is not in your Bible. You should get a different Bible. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're in heaven. The person of God. He's a triune being. That, that, again, that's what's amazing about what he's done for us. He made me a triune being. I, I used to just be a dichotomy, but now he's made me a trichotomy. I used to be where, where my flesh and, and my, my soul were united together. and I, I was dead spiritually, but, but his spirit came and he indwells me and he made me alive. And that's that circumcision that he did. He came in and he cut away the filth of my flesh. So I no longer have to live to please myself, but I can live to please him. He set me free from me because I'm the problem. He delivered me, and he says, seek me, seek those things that are above. The throne of God is above. There were four people who were caught up to the third heaven, Ezekiel, Isaiah, John, and the Apostle Paul. Three of them were able to write about it, and the three who were allowed to write about it, all three said, the throne, oh my goodness, that throne. Isaiah said, woe is me from a man of unclean lips. John, 11 times in 12 verses, describing the scene there in John chapter 4, or Revelation chapter 4 excuse me, when the, the scene that you and I are going to see in just a few days, not many days hence when we are raptured off this planet. I'm not predicting a date, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. When he describes that scene that we're going to be ushered into, 12 times in 11 verses, he says, oh, the throne, that throne, wow. Seek to worship God. He's worthy, amen? He's worthy of our worship. It's another thing that's established in heaven. Paul, again, it's in the book of Ephesians. It's that, that letter that Paul writes to reveal this thing, the church, this mystery, and the Holy Spirit of God is revealing it through the book of Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The Bible teaches me that I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The, the whole family of God, it's not assembled right here. But we understand that there's a worldwide family of believers. I've traveled around the world. I've been in more than 30 countries. Uh, most of those times I was traveling to, to meet believers and minister with believers. And, and there's always been that kindred spirit between me and those other believers. There's a, there's a commonality between us because the spirit of God lives within us. And we're all, all assembled here, but the Bible says we are assembled there. And, and when I die, or if the rapture happens, I, I'm already there. I'm just, I'm just going to be there physically. Seek the family of God. We, we, we have, maybe you would say at nauseum, over the last few weeks talked about the importance of getting together. I'm sorry if that's been ad nauseum, but it is important, and it is what we ought to seek. And if I can say frankly, in the 21st century, it has become too little a priority for most followers of Jesus Christ, most professing followers of Jesus Christ. Where, where everything in the world takes precedent over the gathering together of the body of Christ. These things ought not be so. And, and, and again, let me lovingly say, the problem is we're not seeking those things which are above. We're seeking those things which are on the earth. We've not set our affection on the things that are above We've set our affection on the things that are on the earth. And so we're pursuing those things, whatever they may be. Pleasure. Uh, that's what Paul went on to say in 2 Timothy. He starts the list with our lovers of self more than lovers of God. He ends the list with saying we're more lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I got, I got, to, I got to figure out where the line is this morning, okay? What's God saying and what's Joe saying? 
We need to shut Joe up and let God talk. We were created to know God, uh, to love God, to worship God, to serve God. And we're not going to find fulfillment in anything else. And, and the reason that we struggle is because we're, we're looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. We're thinking that stuff and careers and, and money and security and peace and, and all these things, we think all those things are going to do it for us. And what God's saying is, no, 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 no. You're not going to find fulfillment in the earth. You've got to seek it above the earth. Be risen with Christ and then the, seek those things which are above. Set your affection on things that are above Mortify your members, die to those fleshly desires. Verse 5, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Uh, this physical life, these things that are on the earth, my flesh is on the earth. And he lists them, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which, things the sake, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. And, and, and here's, what I want you to, here's what I want you to get from this. We're talking about building a meaningful relationship with God. If you're going to build a meaningful relationship with God, it, it starts by being risen with Christ and, and then setting our affection and seeking Him and seeking that relationship and making that the driving thrust of our life. And then He says, now, now that you've done that, just walk where you live. You used to live in the flesh. You used to have no option but to obey your flesh. You used to have no option but, but to live in fornication and, and uncleanness and inordinate affections and evil concupiscence and covetousness. Before, that was the story of your life. That's how you lived. That, that was all you had an option for. That, that, was, that, was, that was you. You used to live there, and, and so you walked there. But he says, now, now you don't have to live there anymore. Now you don't have to live like that. You've been set free. Your life is in Christ. Now walk where you live. It's like the children of Israel, right? We read it, 52 weeks of pursuit, and maybe you experienced the frustration idea when you see they're out in the wilderness and, and God's delivered them from bondage and the taskmaster's whips and they've been set free and he's given them manna from heaven and, and he gives them water from a rock and he's providing for them and, and he leads them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and he's been so gracious and so good to them, he's proven himself to them and then they get over there and every time something goes wrong they say, oh man, I wish we were still in Egypt. I don't know how you read that, I just think, you idiots. Can I say that? I'm sorry, there's children in here. You not intelligent people. Do not repeat that word, children. You not intelligent people. Why would you ever want to go back? You know what God says to me? I don't know, Joe, why would you? I don't know, Joe. I set you free from all those things of the flesh. Why do you have a tendency to go back there? You not intelligent person. He calls me the other word, but he's okay with that. He talks to me that way. What a walk where we live. Fornication. It's, it's the same root word where we get the word pornography. And if I can stop for just a second right here. and address the plague of the 21st century. It's pornography. The plague of the World Wide Web. It's pornography. The most, I don't know if I can say the most, one of the most destructive forces in relationships pornography and it's prevalent it's prevalent and it is so readily available and so horribly destructive I would say the reason that we have the horrific abuse that we see in marriage and toward children it's because of pornography. 
the reason that there are crimes committed in our society. That just leave us in awe. We, we, they're unmentionable. It's because of pornography. What's really scary, what's really, really scary is if we statistically match churches in America in the 21st century, over, the half, over half the people in this room struggle with pornography. I'm convicted that I don't talk about it. Because it's destroying us. And we've created an environment in church where you can't talk about such things. I mean, why would we want to deal with something that's destroying people's lives? We better talk about it. And, and we better be a place where people can come and find help. It's, it's destructive. Fornication. Uncleanness, anything that's unholy, inordinate affection, and, and, and all of this is progressive and it, and, and it is all part of the same thing. It's, it's without natural affection. It's what Paul told Timothy when he was talking about the last times and how bad they'd be. Inordinate affection, affections that are not right, uh, homosexuality, uh, extramarital affairs, uh, people who are slaves to, to sex. I know, I need to be quiet. The kids are in here. Can you, can, I, can you just keep going with all the things without me saying them? Yeah. With everything that is going on in our culture and things that we see or that are, that are more, more and more widely accepted and we're told, oh, oh, it'll never go that far. Oh, listen, it'll go to the nth degree. Yeah. Oh, it starts out simple enough. I, I got to move on. Covetousness, which is idolatry. I knew I'd never, I would never get all this done. If you, if you want a relationship with God, you've got to get to know God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And then you've got to build that relationship by seeking what's above and setting your affection there. And, and that will require walking where you live. You, you, can't, you can't live day in and day out in the lust of the flesh and expect to build a relationship with God. You've got to mortify your members. Hey, notice he said you, you, are, you are dead. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've been risen with Christ, then the, the crucifixion is effectual in your life. Now you've got to choose to walk where you live. You live in Christ, now choose to walk there. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's up to you. It'll take some time to learn to do it, just like it took time to learn to walk physically. But when you fall... Get up! And we as the body of Christ need to stop condemning people who fall. Not condoning sin. But when somebody falls, get them up, dust them off, and help them walk a little farther. And isn't that how we treated our children as they were learning to walk? Just be thankful that they got up. Because what happens to so many of us is the devil convinces us, oh, you're no good, you're worthless, you're sorry, no good for nothing. Bucket of scum. He ever call you that? He calls me that. We believe him and so we just quit. What God says is, no, 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 get up. Walk where you live. He goes on in verses 8 to 14. He says, when you're walking where you live, then you need to take off some things. You need to, you need to change how you dress. And he's not talking about physical clothing. 
Put off anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing you have put off the old man with his deeds and, and put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Uh, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, uh, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian nor Scythian, bond nor free, but, all, but Christ is all and, and in all. And, and so he says we need to take these things off. We need to take off anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication and, and stop lying. Get that off. Take off that old man. Those are all deeds of the old man. He says, get that stuff off of you. Deal with that issue. Put it away from you. Don't, don't allow anger and wrath and malice and, and filthy communication. Those things, that, that, that they're things that have not been dealt with. We need to deal with things. We need to be willing to forgive one another and, and reconcile relationships. Stop using our mouths to tear people down, but use our words to build people up. That's filthy communication out of our mouths. Put all of that off, not by, not by trying harder, but, but get to know Christ. Seek Him. Seek those things that are above. Stop living in the flesh. Mortify the flesh. Walk where you live. Allow God to change the way that you think. Not just modify your behavior. Put off all of those deeds. There's a ton of things to say there. He goes on and says, but, but put on. Put on these things. And, and all of these things are modeled by Jesus Christ. Bowels of mercy. Kindness. Bowels. It's, it's the seat of the emotions. You know, we, we would say with all your heart. God says with all your bowels. Deep-seated. Everything within you. Let mercy come from, from deep within you because God's changed your heart and your mind. Kindness. Just a little bit of kindness could go a long ways. Do we need that today? Anybody had a fellow driver salute you recently? And I'm just trying to get out in traffic. Give me a little space. Humbleness of mind. Again, not just some act, not false humility, but of mind. I know who I am. I know me. I know I'm unworthy. Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Man, people got short fuses today, don't they? Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. In, in Ephesians, he, he adds this little ditty onto the end of that. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Right? We all got an excuse why we can't forgive somebody, don't we? Oh, oh, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know what they said about me. God says, yeah, you probably don't know what you did to Jesus either. But he forgave you anyway. Forgive like he forgave you. Don't, don't those things sound like things that would make for great relationships? Couldn't we relate a lot better to one another if we had bowels of mercy and kindness and humbleness and meekness and, and long-suffering and we were forbearing toward one another and, and we were forgiving one another? Right. Let's make for some good relationships. Now, now listen, let me just say real quick, because I know some of you are thinking like this. I tell you what, I sure do wish my spouse would live like that. Can I tell you, you can't change your spouse? How about you? How about you? How about me? How about I live like that? How about I be the change that I want to see? And quit worrying about everybody else. Those would be good relationships. The, the last part of the text, I'm done. There's a lot more to say, but let the peace of God rule in your heart. He says, this relationship with God, it creates peace. Peace that rules, governs, is in control of. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. You know why we struggle so much with relationships? It's insecurity. 
We're insecure. We're afraid we're going to lose something. We're afraid somebody's going to get one over on us. We're afraid we're going to miss out on what we ought to have. But if I walk with God, I'm risen with Christ, I'm seeking Him, I'm, I'm walking in a relationship with Him. We have fellowship every day. I've put off all those old things and put on the new things that are modeled by Christ. Literally, that's what he says at the end of that text, that, that Christ is all and in you all. If you're a believer, he's in you. And, and so what I'm doing is I'm not trying harder. I'm allowing him to live through me. And he says, I can just choose to let peace rule in my heart. I'm not fighting for it. I'm not making it happen. I'm just choosing to let peace rule in my heart. The overarching characteristic of my life is peace. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So the next thing he says to, to let happen in your life. Let God have control. You want a meaningful relationship with your family? You took that as a rhetorical question. I'll accept that. I think we all do. We, we want a meaningful relationship with our parents, grandparents, even if they're no longer living. You need a meaningful relationship with your parents. How can I have a relationship? You can have a relationship with someone who's passed. Some of you need to repair that relationship. Obviously, you need a re meaningful relationship with your spouse. It's the most important human relationship you have. You need a meaningful relationship. You need a meaningful relationship with your children. And all of these are very, very important. And, and listen, I believe God lists them in the order of importance. And, and he does go on and deal with other relationships, relationships within the church and relationships with outside the church and relationships with employers. And God talks about all of that, but he gives them in order. First, the relationship with God, then with your spouse, then with your children, with your parents. But it all starts with a meaningful relationship with God. So the question today is, do you have one? If you want those other relationships... Start at the beginning. Don't try building a home without a foundation. Because the first time a storm comes, it's going down. But if you'll build it on a rock, it'll stand the storms of time. Some of us here today need to be risen with Christ. You've come to church, been a good person, you've never been risen with Christ. Today would be a great day. Others of us need to work on that relationship and just seeking the things that are above. We need to get our attention, our focus back on what's important. We need that meaningful relationship. It's the prerequisite to all other relationships. Would you bow your heads? We're going we're gonna to pray in just a moment. We're going to sing. We're going to give you the opportunity to respond if, if God's spoken to you and and we'll do that with our best social distancing skills that we can muster. But right now, I, I would really like for every one of us here in the room watching via live stream to take this opportunity just in the quietness of this moment to examine yourselves. Paul said, prove your own selves how Christ Jesus is in you except you be reprobates. There's an eternal witness within every follower of Jesus Christ. Do you have that today? Do you know that today? Do you know for sure if you died today, heaven would be your home? Do you have the witness within yourself? If you don't, my prayer for you today is that you would have the courage to get the help you need to know that for sure. If you do know that for sure, if you do know that you're risen with Christ, do you have a meaningful relationship with God? An active, meaningful relationship where you talk to Him and He talks to you and you fellowship with Him. Where you seek Him out. If you don't, and today would be a great day. This first day back 
to get that on the right track and begin to build and work on that relationship. I'm going to pray. And we're going to stand and sing together. And if, if God's spoken to you, we invite you to come. Father, we love you today. We, we thank you so much. With John, I say, what manner of love you've bestowed upon us that we should be called your children. What an awesome position you've put us in. Father, I know there's people in this room and people watching via live stream who, who don't enjoy that relationship today. They don't know you through your son. And, and I pray today you would draw them to yourself, that they would come to know you today. It's a work that only you can do. You said in your word, if Jesus Christ be lifted up, he would draw all men to himself. Speaking of the cross that, that your son died on for our sins. So I know you're drawing people to you. I pray you'd help them to respond. Father, I pray for many in this room that are believers. But yet we struggle having a meaningful relationship. Father, I pray today would be the day we would drive a stake and we would go forward to honor and to glorify you. Help us, I pray. Move us, I pray, for your honor and glory in Christ Jesus' name. Would you stand? The praise team's going to lead us in song as they lead us. If God's spoken to you today, I, I invite you to come. If, if you don't know for sure if you died, you can go to heaven. We would love for you to come. We're here. We'll help you. Uh, again, we'll do our best to practice social distancing and go to a place where we can have some space to talk, show you from the Bible how you could know for sure if you died today, heaven would be your home. We invite you to come. If you just need to come as a believer and pray, we invite you to come. Step out. Let God do in your life. Do you want a meaningful relationship with God? Let God do in your life what he wants to do today. Just step out. We let him do that today. God doing your life what he wants to do today. You know, in church it takes a lot of courage for somebody to say, I've attended church for years, but I don't know about I didn't go to heaven. You never want to wait till you stand up in God's presence to deal with that issue. As difficult as it is to deal with it in front of your peers, it'd be much worse to stand before God with a false hope. Don't let that happen. We're here for you. We're here to help you. I'll promise you there will be no judgment the truth of the word of God and to help you to grow and go forward there's a lot of us here today that need to work on that relationship we, we do need to drive a stake and say from this day forward we need to draw a line in the sand and say from this day forward I'm going to daily build that relationship now listen to me. Here's the tendency that we have. And some of you may be thinking this way right now. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell out. And man, I'm going to tell you from this day forward, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run. Your enthusiasm is, is exciting and, and wonderful, but your endurance is doubtful. Just get up tomorrow. In fact, start today. Tomorrow will have enough trouble of its own. Just deal with today. Walk today, and when you fall, this is deep, get up and walk tomorrow. And when you fall, get up and walk the next day. And what you'll find is that you can achieve way more in this relationship, like any other relationship, way more in the next 30 days than you think you can, but way less in the next day than you think you can. It won't happen in a day, but it will happen daily. 
And every other relationship in our life depends on it. I encourage you, build that relationship. Let it be first as God intended it to be. Over the next few weeks, we'll talk about what does it mean for a husband to love his wife like Christ loves the church. Uh, is that a tall order? All the, all the men said amen. It, it, in fact, it's so tall, it's something you can't do. You can't do it. That's why having a meaningful relationship with God is so important. Uh, for wives to submit to their husbands, and we'll talk about what that really means and biblically, that's a tall order. Thought we might get some feminine amens right there, but no. Yeah. There you go. Sharon will chime you. We'll talk about it over the next few days, next few weeks. I encourage you to, to be with us. Thank you for being here today. We're honored by your presence. Uh, thank you for social.